Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome. It's good to be with you this morning. If we've not met yet, my name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors here at River Valley, and it's an honor to worship Jesus with you this morning. It's an honor to share the word with you this morning. If you're joining us online, uh, I want to say a special welcome to you as well. Thank you for joining us, and we're going to jump in here. Uh, This morning, we're going to be in Matthew 13. If you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew 13, we're going to jump in there here in just a moment, and uh, we're going to look at one of the teachings that Jesus had for us. Uh, It's a parable uh, called the parable of the sower that some of you may be familiar with. Um, And so we're going to look at that together this morning, Matthew 13. And as you turn there, uh, I want to talk about parable because one of the things I love about River Valley, um, and I mentioned this the last time I preached, but um, one of the things I love, I get to work with adults primarily here at River Valley. And um, I love that we've got so many different people here. And as I work with the adults here, Um, I've come to learn that we've got folks that have been in church a long time. We've got some that are brand new to the faith in Jesus and have never been in church, um, but maybe today's the first day in church. And we've got folks that um, come from different denominations and backgrounds. We've got some that grew up Baptist and some Church of Christ, some Episcopalian, some Catholic, wide wide variety. And so um, I share all that to one say, I think it's amazing and beautiful and awesome, and two, that sometimes I'll say words like parable, and I don't want to take for granted that that's kind of an old-school, churchy, weird word, and we may not know what the word parable is, and so uh, I want to give it a little definition here real quick, because I'll say it a few times throughout the teaching this morning. Um, parable is, is really a, a simple word just that means an illustration or moral or story. Um, and Jesus, this became something he did very regularly when he taught, as he used parables and stories as, as an illustration or an analogy or metaphor. And so it's in a very effective means of teaching. We're, we're not uh, foreign to this at all. I mean, coaches use these all the time. Teachers, our parents use these all the time. We just don't call them parables, right? It's why we're drawn to movies and books and music, all these different things, as we love the deeper meaning behind the story. And so um, most of the time, the characters are bold. Symbolism is rich in its meaning. And so Jesus would use this very purposefully. He could just tell us the point is love your neighbor. And he did lots of times, but it was richer when you knew about the Good Samaritan and you understood the context of who the people were and who the neighbors were and the significance of where they were from and who it was that helped him and didn't help him and why. And you learn those types of things, it becomes so much richer and meaningful in our lives and what we're supposed to do with it. He would use these simple stories to communicate a deeper story about the kingdom of heaven. All throughout scripture, we see this, the kingdom of the world versus the kingdom of heaven constantly played out as Jesus talks. And he would use parables, stories, to communicate the deeper story about the kingdom of heaven and what we're supposed to do with that and how it's supposed to affect our lives, but not just communicate the deeper truth of Scripture, but call us to action, 
Josh Grant did an amazing job of teaching this last week, if you were here. And if not, jump on our website, jump on our uh, podcast and listen to that, because he talked about us not just being hearers of the word from James, but being doers of the word. And that's what Jesus wanted to accomplish with using parables. And so um, that's what we're going to look at in Matthew, is him using this parable of uh, the sower. But I want to tell a story first, okay? Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was with my oldest son, um, Cress is his name, and we went to the lake. Some of you have been on the water here recently with the holidays, <clears throat> but we went to the lake. We started this little tradition where I'm going to start taking my boys on a man weekend, just talking to them about what it is to be a man of God and um, things like that. And so I'm starting with him. This is our first year. And so we went, had a great weekend, uh, we did all kinds of things, but we spent some time on the water. We'd do some fishing and all kinds of things. And we were out there at one point floating on the water, and there were some guys um, way out, for, far from us, um, but you could hear everything they were saying, you know, and some of it wasn't great, and so we had to talk about that too. But anyways, <clears throat> they were partying and having a good time, and some, I mean, way over here, way over here, and he had this observation. He was like, Dad, I can hear, like, everything they're saying. I can hear all of their music. And I don't always do this. I mean, I miss it a lot of times, but there's these teachable moments, you know, and sometimes they're really God-teachable moments. And this one I actually grabbed, and I was thankful. Um, but it was an opportunity to teach him uh, this. And you see this throughout Scripture, where Jesus would go out on the water in a boat and teach back towards the shore to a crowd, and he would do that. And I got to teach Chris this is, well, Jesus would use this because what you're seeing is we can hear them very clearly because the sound bounces off the water, right? And, uh, and so he got to kind of, wow, that's amazing. And then I used scripture to show him that. Um, and we see that actually happen here in this passage in Matthew. Um, if you look at it, Matthew 13 is Jesus is going to use the water as a natural microphone, because he didn't have a stage and a microphone like I have here, to use the water to speak out to the crowd and, and bounce his voice out so he can speak to a large crowd. And so you see that happen here in Matthew 13, verse 1. Let's look at it. It says, on that day, Jesus went out of the house, and he was sitting by the sea. So you can get the picture here. Jesus has been ministering. He's tired, and he's coming out of the house, and he just wants to sit by the sea and rest a minute and spend time with his heavenly father and take a breath. But then the large crowds, it says in verse two, starts gathering around him because they want to hear him teach and they want to receive from him. So he gets in a boat, sits down, and while the crowds stood on the shore and he starts to teach back to them so they can hear him. And he tells them things in parables. And here's one of them. Jesus' words, he says, consider the sower. Some of your translations may say farmer there. Same thing. Consider the sower or farmer who went out to sow. And as he sowed, some of the seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. So you get the picture here. Um, is this path is just real flat. It's real hard soil. I mean, there's no depth of the soil at all. It's real packed in and hard. And so the seed just sits on it. And birds can just come by, swoop, grab the seed, and take it away, right? And then um, it says, other seed, if you keep going, falls on rocky ground. And it has a little bit of soil, but not much soil. And so this is kind of like my backyard, okay? Um, it grows up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. 
And in the spring, it looks a little bit lush. And I'm like, man, I got some green grass. It's looking good here. And then here now, the sun comes up. It's hot, and it scorches it. And since it has no root, it withers away. But then there's other seed that falls among thorns. And the thorns come up and choke it. But then there's other seed that comes up on good ground, and it produces fruit. And not just a little fruit. Some, it produces 160, 30 times what was sown. And he finishes with this, let anyone who has ears listen. Some of your translations may say, let him who has ears hear. So it's not hard to figure out kind of what's happening here and, and what Jesus is talking about. But as with any good movie, any good book, any good story that's told, it's, we often ask ourselves these questions. We have this inner dialogue, or maybe we even have a teacher or a, or a parent that asks us, like, what's, what's the point of the story? What do you think the point of the story was? When we told this story, what's the point? And we can pretty quickly get to knowing that the farmer, the sower, is Jesus. The seed is the word, and we are the soil, okay? The point of the story, really, that we'll dig into here, pun intended, is that we are one of these four soils. I just threw that in there. That was free. Um, we are one of these four types of soil, and the soil is the condition of our heart. So I want to talk about that here. And what's nice about this passage, because Jesus doesn't always do this, is he actually goes further into explanation about this. Sometimes he gives us the parable, um, and that's it. But here, if you look in Matthew 13, and then jump down to verse 18, which we're about to do, he's going to give us a little bit more detail beyond just Jesus is the sower, the Word is the seed, and we are the soil. But we need to get that part initially, is the soil equals the condition of our heart. And what are we supposed to do with that this morning? So let's look at what Jesus says, if you'll jump down to verse 18. He says, now listen to the parable of the sower. See, when anyone hears the word about the kingdom of heaven, and they don't understand it, and what he means here in the original language is when they don't receive it, when they don't surrender their life to it, when you don't accept the gospel into your heart, it's like that seed that sits just on the top ground. It has no, no soil, no depth. It can't go anywhere. It just sits up there. The evil one just comes and like a bird snatches it away. This is the one that was sown on the path. As you read further in Scripture and other places, lots of times they'll talk about being hardened in your heart. Your minds, ears, eyes are closed to God's words and deeds. These are those of us who just not interested in Jesus. We closed our ears, minds, and hearts to him and just not interested. This is that type of soil. Then there's ones, he says as we go on, that are sown on rocky ground. These are ones that hear the word and we immediately receive it with joy, but we don't have root and it's short-lived. Now listen to this. Listen to the example he gives. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately you fall away. See, we follow Jesus in a superficial way, those that are in rocky soil. We're quickly attracted by, um, by the thought of it, but we don't really surrender fully to Jesus. 
And what he talks about here is when life gets hard, we're out. And here's the thing. Jesus told us in John 10, 10, in this life you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. But here's an indicator of being rocky soil, is as soon as life gets difficult, as soon as life brings trouble, as soon as life gets hard, where was God in all of this? I'm out. I want nothing to do with Jesus. I won't serve a God who would let this happen to me. You ever said those things or heard those things, people that say those things? This is rocky soil. Moving on, it says, now the one sown among the thorns, this is one who hears the word, but the worries of this age, these are the two examples, the worries of this age but the and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful. There's sincere interest in Jesus, there's sincere interest in the gospel, but there's a lot of care for the kingdom of the world. I talked about the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of wor the world. We care a lot about how many likes we get on Facebook. We care a lot about what people think about us. We care a lot more about um, the things of this world. We're more concerned and consumed with things of the world, like who our candidate's going to be and, and who likes us and, and things of our job and how much money we have in our bank account and then the things of the wealth of this world. And we get distracted by those things more than about Jesus and him taking care of us and him being our foundation and our rock. Our identity is placed in things rather than Jesus. And we get consumed by the anxieties of the world. We hear the word and we understand it, but we're distracted by the cares of the world. And then it says there's sown on good ground, good soil. These are ones that hear and understand the word, and it produces fruit and it yields. Some 100, some 60, some 30 times what was sown. Good soil. We make a genuine response to Jesus. We just sang about it in the last song. We're all in. We fully surrender to Jesus. And it's not just a one-for-one -one trade off. There's seed sown and one fruit. It's exponential growth. It's exponential. And so Jesus explains the different soils that we are. And what I love about this teaching is you can see it as the parable of the sower. And you can see it as, sometimes people talk about it as the parable of the soil. And we've talked here about the soil, and we're one of these four. We can see ourselves as our hearts are the condition of one of these four, and we've got to figure out where we are in this. And obviously, we need to be, we should want to be the good soil. But as we look at the sower, I think some amazing things are here, and lots of times we don't look at it this way. If you look at the farmer, the sower, you see some incredible things with Jesus in this passage, if you look at his character and who he is. I want you to get the picture of the sower here. And it's, we don't have the modern technology and advancements in farming in this passage that we're used to today when we think of gardening and farming and whatnot. I want you to get the picture of a guy with maybe like a satchel and seed in there, and he's, he's walking about and broadcasting seed over the land, just throwing it out. That's the picture you need to have here. And what he shows us here is that the sower, the farmer, Jesus, is an extravagant giver. He's just throwing seed everywhere, letting it land on all these different types of ground. And it's landing on the hardened path, it's landing on rocky ground, it's landing on thorns, it's landing on good soil. But he's, if you focus on him, he's just broadcasting it out and it's going everywhere. 
He isn't hoarding the seed. He's not taking one seed. Here, sir, you get one. Not you, ma'am. No, uh, you, you look like good soil. Here you go. Have a good day. Um, he's not doing that. He's just broadcasting it out, throwing it out almost with abandonment, if you can think of it that way. There apparently is no seed shortage. It's like he keeps going in the bag and it keeps multiplying. There's no shortage of the word. There's no shortage of the gospel. Hear this. There will be a plentiful harvest, period, regardless of how we respond. You have a part in this relationship with Jesus of what type of soil you and I will be. That is our part in the relationship. But we have something to learn about the sower, the farmer, is there is, and the word, the seed, is there is plenty in the word. There will be a plentiful harvest. Isaiah 55 says, the word will not return to him void, but will accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. You can trust the sower. He is a good sower. He is trustworthy. He is abundant in his giving. He is the provider, and he will provide, and his kingdom of heaven will prevail. There is no shortage of his word for you and for this world and for what will be accomplished because of his word. That can be trusted. But we come back to the parable of the soil and you and I, and what are we going to do? Will we receive? Will we be good soil? Will we be distracted by the kingdom of the world and get consumed by all the different things that we get consumed by? And you can imagine just thinking about how your weekend was and what we so typically get consumed by. Another way to put it is what he ends with what Jesus ends with in this teaching. Let him who has ears listen. He who has ears, hear. It's another way to say, will you receive? The responsibility for hearing truth and receiving truth, for hearing truth belongs to those who hear. Will we hear? Will we receive? One of the commentaries I looked at said it this way, and I thought it was great. Ears are God's gift to man. Hearing is man's responsibility. Ears are God's gift to man. Hearing is man's responsibility. So are we going to hear? Are we going to receive? Are we going to be good soil? We have a choice to make. 2 Timothy 3.7 talks about some of the Pharisees and Sadducees and people that were religious. They came to church all the time. They did a lot of the churchy things we're supposed to do, but they didn't fully surrender to Jesus. They didn't trust him as Messiah. He says, he talks about them like this. He says, they were always learning, but never able to arrive at the knowledge of truth. Jesus talked about it like this when, he, when the disciples asked him, why do you teach in parables? He said, some of them hear, but they don't really hear. Some of them see, but they don't perceive. But you, disciples, you see me, you hear me, you got it. You're good soil. 
Not everybody is. And he wants us to be. Again, there's no shortage of the word. There's no shortage of him being a good giver. It's just a matter of, are we going to be good soil? Are we going to receive? Another commentary I looked at in studying this said it this way, and it's a bit of a zinger, so hold on for a second. said, God is in the speaking business, but not everybody's in the hearing business. God's in the speaking business, but not everybody's in the hearing business. I like that line. There's a pastor that I follow, and uh, I like how he teaches and what he teaches, and he talks about this quite a bit. He said, I don't want to hear people talk about, I don't ever hear God, and I don't ever, he never talks to me in this and that when you never open your Bible. There's a responsibility we have to be with the Lord, to be in his presence, to read his word. It's not about coming to church because I'm supposed to come to church and do the thing and check the box. It's not about being in a quiet time and having a quiet time and doing the thing to check a box. We talk about those spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices to help, but it's about being with the Almighty. The God that created and breathed the earth into being wants to speak into yours and my life and talk about your life and your kids and your job and your purpose and your identity. He cares deeply about you and me. It's not about like, I need to read my Bible today because that's what good Christians do. That's boring and dull and empty and blah. Some days it kind of feels like that because... It's a discipline and it's a practice, but it's going through those humps like working out to get through where you spend time with him. This is the primary way in which Jesus speaks to us, and I promise you he speaks. He wants to be clear. He wants to speak. He's in the speaking business. We're not all in the hearing business because we don't spend time with him. And I want to implore you with everything in my being, if you'll be with him, he's going to speak to you. He's not trying to be hidden and hide from you and be quiet. He wants to be with you and be intimate with you and speak into your life and your purpose and your family. And he will if you spend time with him. There's other ways that he speaks too. Not just this, but this is the primary way he speaks. This is your source of truth to compare everything to. He speaks to us in dreams. And we have to learn how to hear his voice so I know whether it's God speaking to me or I had a weird burrito last night, but you'll learn to hear his voice, but he does. He speaks to you in dreams. He speaks to me in, from other people and friends. I've had friends call me or text me and just be like, man, I don't know why I was praying and I feel like God put you on my mind. And so I just wanted you to know I prayed for you and I feel like sometimes they say like, hey, I feel like God told me this. I don't know if that means anything to you, but... Just felt like I would encourage you with it. And every time, it's like they had no idea that they spoke right into what God was doing in my life. And I've gotten to do that with other people. I mean, don't take for granted that you'll be praying and spending time in your word, and God will make you think about Charlie Contreras. And I'm like, well, I'm going to think about Charlie. Well, maybe because God wants me to text Charlie and just say, hey, man, I'm praying for you, or call him. I was just thinking about you, I was praying, and little did I know that he's working on something, and it ministered right to his heart. Well, that blessed him, but guess what? That blessed me too, because I just realized God spoke to me in that moment, and that encouraged my faith to do it again and take another step and do it again. God speaks to us in incredible ways. If you take those steps of faith and listen and spend time with him, 
But you can compare all that to your source of truth. This is truth. This is the primary way God speaks to you. There's not this, what's your truth? Thank you for sharing your truth. I love to hear your truth. There's none of that. That's garbage, okay? This is truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. He's the only way to abundant life. It's Jesus. And I can't encourage you enough. I want this for you and me so bad because it is the way, it is the ingredients to abundant life in Jesus. If we will be good soil and say, I trust you, Jesus. I've tried everything else and it doesn't work. I need you, Jesus, and I'll be good soil. I'm all in. I trust you with my family, with my time, with my life. I trust you, like Isaiah said that we quoted earlier, that your ways are higher than my ways. I trust your timing, not my timing. It's hard to do, but it's better. It's better, and he'll speak to you. Matthew 7, 7 says it like this. If you ask, seek, and knock, he will answer. He wants us to seek after him. If you ask, he will answer. If you seek, you will find him. If you knock, the door will be open to you. It's all different ways of saying, be good soil. Be receptive. Be open. Ask. Seek. If you have ears to hear, listen. God's in the speaking business. Are we in the hearing business? It's a posture of receiving with the Lord. I want to pray over you today that we would be that. And that's it. We're the soil. He's the sower. And the word is there for us. God, I thank you for your teaching. I thank you for your truth. I thank you that it's reliable and true. And it really is quite simple, honestly. But it's so profound your kingdom of heaven, that we would trust you and we would trust your word, Father. It seems very easy, but lots of times it can be so hard when we're in the day-to-day grind, God, trusting that. Well, first, just trusting you and trusting your timing and trusting your ways. It's so easy to get back in just the habits, God, of wanting to control it wanting to control our purpose and wanting to control our destiny and wanting to control all the details, God, but to live a life of full surrender to you, saying, whatever you have, however you would have it, Father, we are yours. I pray that you would help us right now in this place, as we all know, listening to this, looking at your word, knowing that I am that first path, that I am rocky soil, that I'm the soil with thorns or that I'm good soil, whichever one I am, God, where I need to be with you. And would you help us move to a place of full surrender in you, Father? Would you help me move to that place of more surrender in you, Jesus? I want that for me. I want that for my wife. I want that for my boys. I want that for this church, for everybody in this room, God. Because in it is truly abundant life in you, Jesus. It's so easy to get back in the habits of the friends that we have, the other relationships that we have, 
trying to keep up with the Kardashians, trying to care about what everybody else thinks of us, being so concerned what's in my bank account, Father. All the different things. There's so many different things that can consume and overwhelm and cause anxiety and stress, and it just ends up being about control and all these different things when it becomes a place of surrender to you, Father. I'm just saying, I'm all yours. Whatever you have, I'm all yours. Would you help us right now? Help us right now not even to think about what that looks like way down the line here, but just in this moment with you to start in this place saying yes to you. I surrender all to you. And trust what your word says, that if you can take care of the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, we can trust you to take care of tomorrow for us, Father. So we want to say yes to you right now and trust you for tomorrow. We want to be good soul. We want to be hearers of the word and not just hear, but doers of the word. I pray that you would give us a hunger for your word, Jesus, that we would want to devour scripture, to learn from you and to be with you, God. Would you give us an appetite, like a voracious appetite, God, to be uh, with you and to be in your word and to be in prayer with you, Father, and to be hungry for godly community and to come into this place, not to check a box, but to get to worship you and to be worshipful with other godly people and to have godly influence into our lives and, and to have that type of influence where some of us have some pretty poor influence from friends and we need to make some pretty difficult decisions possibly to get rid of some of that influence in our lives and jump into some godly influence that can pour into our life in a healthy way, Father. But you would give us a hunger to come into this place and to bring our family into this place to be with you and to be with others who want to be with you. I thank you that you are trustworthy, that you are a provider, that you are a comforter, that you are a healer that you are in the speaking business and you want to speak and you have no shortage of wanting to do that, that you want to speak constantly and all the time and there's no shortage of your word that you want to constantly give and fill us up with, Father. And so help us to receive and to be hearers. It's in your name that we trust and we pray and we give worship right now, Father. Amen. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church slash give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.